Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, you now. You're actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no me on You know, yeah, I got something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Yes, sir. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad Show on Chad Wilson. It is 10:02 a.m. East Coast time here on a February 13th, one day before Valentine's Day. I hope you guys have gotten your act together and you've got yourself all lined up with your Valentine's Day festivities. Otherwise, you're going to have some problems tomorrow, folks. So, uh, all my fellas out there listening right now, I hope you've got that under order. All right, feels like uh, it's been a while and it has. I didn't have a Friday show. So last show was last Monday, a little sporadic on the show. It's been quite busy, got a lot going on these days, but I want to get back on a regular schedule doing the Gridiron Studs show, and uh, I know you would like that too as well. Uh, what's in the news today? Not a whole heck of a lot in the NFL right now. I guess teams getting ready for free agency and also getting ready for the NFL draft, so uh, plenty of scouting going on. The biggest news uh, on a day-to-day basis, seems to be where is Tony Romo going to go? Uh, what are the best teams for Tony Romo to go to? Uh, and has anyone heard from Tony Romo? Is he indeed leaving Dallas? I like the way people just put that out there. Like, they already know Tony Romo is uh, out of Dallas. He may indeed stay, folks. The two biggest stories, Tony Romo, where is he going next, and Jimmy Garoppolo, will he or will he not be a Patriot next year? I think the first half of that Super Bowl that we watched, you know, the one when uh, the, the, the team that won, the New England Patriots, were down 28-3 to and somehow came back. I think in the first half of that football game, uh, everyone would have said Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, uh, is going to be in New England. He's going to be the next quarterback, and that may happen sooner rather than later. I think a lot of Patriot haters were sitting around saying, oh, yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. Tom Brady looks like he's uh, hit it. He's finally over the hill. Looks like uh, the train is coming off the tracks. What will Bill Belichick do? 
He's been very shrewd in dealing with other Patriot greats in the past and has shown a propensity to break from any type of emotions and let a guy go when it's time for a guy to go. And the Patriot motto through all of their success over the last decade and a half has been better let a guy go a year too early than a year too late. And that's something I, uh, that, uh, you know, I believe in that as well. Let a guy go a year early. It's okay if you let a guy go and he blows up for one year, maybe even two years somewhere else. It is an organization's duty to its fan base and also its bottom line and uh, any legacy it may have established, which the New England Patriots clearly have established a legacy. It is the it is their duty to keep the team performing at a very high level. So, you know, letting a guy go a year or two too early is better off, like they say, than letting a guy hang around, eat up salary, which would prevent other players that can help you for the next half decade or so, uh, prevent them from being on the roster because, you know, there are some financial challenges. There is a salary cap in the National Football League, uh, so that's stuff for people to consider. And uh, better to let them go a year too early than a year too late. So that was the situation and the thought process for many of the non-Patriot fans in the first half of that Super Bowl when uh, Brady was throwing the ball into the ground and into the arms of Atlanta Falcon football players who run, who would run the ball back for touchdowns. That was the thought process. And then something happened, something that would make any Patriot hater just throw up right on their chest. I mean, bark without even trying to bend over and find a bowl just go ahead and yak right there on your chest without moving. Sickness came over you. The Brady that you thought finally was over the hill came alive and mounted the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history, as if they hadn't done enough, as if this man had not done enough by reaching the most Super Bowls uh, in history and tying. Well, you know, he didn't tie it until he actually won the game, but we all know Tom Brady's accomplishments, if those weren't enough, he then, in this 11th hour of his career, which we believe to be his 11th hour, 39, going to turn 40, completes the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. And so now we are left to wonder, what will be of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? And are we making, uh, like, are we... Did too much be throwing Jimmy Garoppolo's way? I mean, quite frankly, would we see this guy for um, two games? Two games enough? Did we see enough? I mean, uh, is that enough to say Jimmy Garoppolo's the next guy? I don't know. We're, we're, we seem to be very uh, eager to run out and say, that Garoppolo is the heir apparent to the uh, Patriot franchise once Tom Brady can no longer do it. We're not sure about that. We're also not sure how long Tom Brady can continue playing football. He is saying he would like to play another four or five years. That is what he's saying. He'd love to play another four or five years. And uh, listen, based on what we just saw, that we have no idea. He just, in fact, might do that. And then, you know, he can't have Jimmy Garoppolo around for four or five years. So it's really year to year. But, man, what a head fake. Tom Brady pulled on us in the Super Bowl. So, you know, that sets up a thing where, man, when do you know it's over? 
for Tom Brady? How do you know when it's done? How do you know when he's completely finished? When we thought he was in the first half of this Super Bowl, and then uh, suddenly it wasn't. So Tom Brady comes out in, in the first four games next season. He doesn't look all that great. Is he finished or is he not finished? And what do the Patriots do there? If Tom, if Tom Brady has a pedestrian season, he comes out and throws 27 touchdowns and 10 or 11 interceptions next year, which would be a pedestrian season for Tom Brady when you match it up against what he's been able to do over the last half decade or so, what do you do? Can you say that he's in fact dead or are you spooked by Tom Brady and say, well, uh, this could just be a, you know, a hiccup and this guy's going to go nuts next off season in preparation and come back and go back to being 40, 42 touchdown and seven, eight interception Tom Brady. I mean, the Patriots have a serious decision on their hands and how much longer is Bill Belichick going to come. Is Bill Belichick the kind of guy that would retire, or is he the kind of guy that will die coaching? Is he the kind of guy that will coach until he loses his faculties, loses his good sense, is ushered out, and then soon thereafter passes away? What kind of guy is Bill Belichick? We don't know. Very close to the best. So a lot of question marks for the New England Patriots. And then also, well, with Tony Romo, a lot of question marks there as well. I mean, Tony Romo wants to play football. He's been on the shelf for quite some time. So like I asked with Jimmy Garoppolo, have we seen enough of Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, how much is left in, in Tony Romo? I mean, the guy has not played football, essentially, in two seasons. How valuable is he? And who wants to make that move? Who wants to pick up a Tony Romo and get one, maybe two years? Who's that close to a Super Bowl or a serious Super Bowl run that they would say, well, we will kind of forego on finding our man of the future in terms of a quarterback and just pick up Tony Romo? Who's that close? Let's look at some of the guys that were close last year. Miami Dolphins, they're not going to make that move. They're still trying to figure out Ryan Tannehill. Will they or won't they? They're not likely to make that move. Baltimore Ravens, 8-8. Eight eight. They've got Joe Flacco. Tennessee Titans, they've got a good young quarterback in Marcus Mariota. Houston Texans, they can't take on. They have a salary issue. They invested in Brock Osweiler. How does that move? Emil and I just really told everyone out there that this was a bad move. We said it when it was happening. We said it when it happened. We said it loudly after it happened. Now, granted, we, you know, we didn't exactly turn over the table by saying so, but there were some who thought this might be a good move. We were there, Johnny, on the spot to tell you no. Denver Broncos, 9-7. and seven. I don't know. Do you bring in a Tony Romo? Uh, maybe you bring in Tony Romo if you just don't think that your guy is in this draft. Do you bring in Tony Romo, yet you still draft a guy? Do you really believe that much in Paxton Lynch, but you don't think he's quite ready yet? So you bring in a Tony Romo to bridge the gap. Let's call the Denver Broncos a potential candidate. I'm going to need to write these down. I'm doing this little exercise with you folks uh, 
uh, while we're at home. Uh, if you're following along, you could do that as well. Denver Broncos, possibly, maybe, do you do that? And we'll come back at the end and discuss, uh, should they or should they not? New York Giants, no. Washington Redskins, you got Cousins. You, you keep Cousins over, you know, bringing in a Tony Romo, by the way. And even the Washington Redskins still don't know what they're going to do with their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Will they or won't they? Hey, you know what? Washington, invest in Kirk Cousins, okay? Yeah, he's a little goofy and yells stuff after games, walking into the locker room. That's fine. A little charisma never hurts. The guy's a decent enough quarterback. You drafted him along with another guy way back when. You got to keep one of these two guys on the roster. Otherwise, you look like a complete moron. So, you know, stay face. Keep Kirk Cousins. He's a good enough quarterback. Make it happen. Keep that guy. All right? That solved the Washington Redskins front office problem right there. Cured that right there. No Tony Romo. Say no to Tony Romo. Philadelphia Eagles. Seven and nine, Tony Romo's not. What's Tony Romo going to do? Is he three wins better for you guys? Three, four wins better? You ask your left tackle, Jason Peters, to take a pay cut. What's that mean? He's not doing as well as you thought? I'm going to tell you, wherever he goes, Tony Romo's going to need a left tackle that can block his rear end off. Because the last thing Tony Romo needs is a defensive end running through his back. Packers and Lions, they're straight. Minnesota Vikings. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater. Okay? The whole Sam Bradford thing, mixed results, good at first, bad towards the end. It's not a move that I agreed with. I understood it, didn't agree with it. But uh, how many choices did they really have there? They thought they had what they needed. They could make a run. It seemed early like that's what was going to happen. And then, you know, some in the media, Colin Cowherd to be exact, was really super high on Minnesota early with Sam Bradford. Uh, I was not an FO. Because what I saw was a team that couldn't run the ball and didn't have very many legit wide receivers. And so Sam Bradford's not a guy that's going to win despite that. He's not Aaron Rodgers, who was in Green Bay, winning games, going on win streaks, without um, a big-time receiving core, injuries there, and no kind of a running game. Whether that's his fault or not, they didn't have it. Continue to win. Sam Bradford's not that guy. And is Tony Romo going to be that guy? And how different are Tony Romo and Sam Bradford at this point right now in their careers? Both fragile individuals. I'm going to tell you this right now. Tony Romo is going to be overvalued in this market. Whether cut or, you know, some kind of a trade. He's going to be overvalued. Uh, prepare yourself for that right now. Chicago Bears, uh, <laughs> 3-13. and 13. You're far too far away. Tony Romo would uh, have to reject all types of moves to Chicago right now. You can't make that move. Falcons, obviously, no. Tampa Bay, no. Saints, no. The whole NFC South is a big fat now. Matter of fact, NFC South right now is the creme de la creme of quarterbacks. That sounds like a good discussion we could have right now. We can get to that. Seattle Seahawks, that's a no. Arizona Cardinals, maybe. 7-8-1. They may be a little too far away. I mean, is Tony Romo going to go in there and they're going to, with Tony Romo, are the Arizona Cardinals suddenly going to be beating the Seattle Seahawks? 
Because for as ugly as you may have think Seattle's season was, how incomplete you may have think thought it was, how unlike previous teams, the Seattle Seahawks went 10-5-1 this year, folks. Damn near 11-5. and Now, if that's a fallback year, yeah, let, give me that for a fallback year. 10-5-1 is a fallback year for a team. Give me that. Los Angeles Rams, it'd be nice. Head out to L.A. The Rams were 4-12. They're far away. Tony better not go to San Francisco. At 2-14, and 14, there's just no way. I mean, you're just going there. To, you're just, you just want to play football. You know, I'd like to think Tony Romo wants to find himself in a situation where he has a chance. This is not how you want to end your years. It's somewhere like San Francisco where they just don't know uh, which part of their, you know, which end is up. You don't want to do that. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, which NFL division is the strongest in quarterbacks? We'll talk about that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
none of you know uh, where that's from. Unless I've got people north of 32 years old listening to the show, which I do have. Feel free to uh, call in if you know what that is. Should hand out some prize. It's time to start giving out some prizes here on the show. Anyway, if you want to call into the show today with any thoughts that you may have, not just on professional football, we can talk recruiting, which we're going to get to here later on in the show. Uh, we can talk college football, college football recruiting. I know that's uh, on the minds of a lot of listeners here. We're getting to that. We're to that time of year. NFL draft. We're to that time of year. Um, but uh, NFL, anything as well. Talk about all that stuff here on the show today. The number to call three four seven. 6339365 or you can reach on Twitter at Gridiron Studs questions comments all that good stuff you can run all that right now on the Gridiron Studs show so if you knew what that was uh, what music that was coming uh, back from the break you can uh, call or hit me with a tweet at Good Iron Studs or 347-633-9365. So, listen, all I really legitimately came up with when I looked at this thing with Tony Romo's possible destination is it's really Denver or bust, and that's if Denver will have them. Now, I do remember all of the rhetoric last year. Uh, out of Denver was that they really liked Paxton Lynch. They just didn't think he was ready yet, so they went with Trevor Simeon. Either way, it was a very average season for the uh, defending Super Bowl champs who ended up missing the playoffs. So they've got some decisions to make at quarterback. Um, were you, in fact, uh, telling the truth about Paxton Lynch, or were you just lying to all of us to save face on your draft pick? Now, Denver has been good, general manager-wise. I mean, John Elway's been pretty good with that, uh, with most of the moves that he's made, both in keeping the guys that he's needed to keep and in also picking up guys and drafting. They've done a, a fairly good job. I don't think anyone would um, argue against that. But the first potential mess for John Elway and the uh, Denver Broncos could be their quarterback situation. Now, they won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning throwing flutter balls, and Brock Osweiler coming in here and there for him. I thought it was a smart move by the Denver Broncos to let Osweiler go, um, given his state of mind, how he was thinking, and and then also some of the contract demands. You know, go ahead and let Houston overpay for this guy. And I really think some of these new teams, when you're trying to pick up a guy, you got uh, you got to pay a little bit of an attention as to how the team that he's with is handling it, handling their departure handling some of the demands that they're making. Sometimes there's some serious clues to be drawn from that. Other times, not so much, because some organizations are just cheap and will part with a very good player over the silliest of reasons. And uh, some of the contract demands that are not, you know, all too, not that demanding. You know, a guy's actually asking for, you know, his proper amount, you know, what he should be paid. So, when I look at this, the only destination that makes sense for Tony Romo outside of Dallas is uh, landing with Denver if, in fact, they're not quite in the boat of where they say Paxton Lynch is our guy. Let's just put the franchise in Paxton Lynch's hands. Notice this, though, about organizations, and not just in pro football, just in sports in general. And you're talking to a guy who's a Yankee fan, and, um, you know, I... 
I'm going to date myself here, but I've, I've been fortunate enough to see two Yankee dynasties and then what comes thereafter. When I began really watching baseball, the Yankees were in a bit of a dynasty in the mid to late 70s. You know, they went to the World Series in 1977, won it, went in 78 and won it. Missed it in 79 and 80, came back in 81, and lost in, uh, I believe, six games to the Dodgers. But a little bit of a mini dynasty there. They were in it every year. They were winning it some of the years. And then what proceeded to happen after that dynasty was what happens to a lot of franchises. And we've seen it with some of the great ones. Yankees, Lakers, Steelers, Cowboys. And it just it seems unavoidable for a lot of these franchises. And the only franchise I think I've seen in my lifetime that's been able to avoid it is the New England Patriots, which is why I said after the Super Bowl, I tweeted out, I'm just happy to have been alive in this era to see this. It's not just Tom Brady. It's not just the halftime adjustments. It's not that. It's, it's everything top down with this organization, how they handle things in terms of players' contracts, player acquisition, uh, whether that's through the draft or free agency or just who they decide they are going to keep on their team. But what I've seen with a lot of franchises, and I go back to the Yankees, that after they lost that 81 World Series, they had attained a certain level of success. There were a certain amount of expectations, and Emil and I have talked a lot about this on the show, about how expectations can destroy people and teams and franchises and programs. They reached a certain level of expectation, and then the thought process changed. Thought process changed. You didn't do the things that you did to get there when it was time to keep yourself there. So, for a large part, a large part of the uh, 80s, the next decade that came after the Yankees' appearance in the 1981 World Series, the Yankees went out trying to grab over-the-hill free agents. They went and grabbed names. They had full stadiums, and they just felt like if we go start grabbing guys out of the farm league that don't have a name, they may or may not pan out for us. That name won't keep the behind in the seats. We'll see a fallback in revenue. This, this was the thought process. And then we're going to lose where we are. You start thinking about the money. You start thinking about the attendance. You start thinking about ticket sales. And you, don't, and you stop thinking about the team and the process and building it and keeping, um, keeping things, keeping that level of excellence there. So the Yankees went out and just grabbed free agents. They grabbed Ricky Henderson, and they grabbed Dave Winfield, and they just grabbed those kind of guys. Well, let me not say Winfield. Winfield was on the 81 team. But they, that was what the Yankees did for the next decade. Let's go grab big names. We need to keep people interested and keep the names in the seat. So they wouldn't grab Joe Blow from the farm league. They wouldn't go grab guys and build their organization. So the Lakers do that. Uh, after the 80s, you know, Saw the Lakers go and do that currently. You go and grab a Dwight Howard. Well, he doesn't fit in, but he's a name. So that'll keep people coming. They're just too reluctant to bring in, develop, too reluctant to bring in players and develop because they don't have a name. And attendance will fall if the big names aren't there. The crowd, the fan base, 
got uh, uh, they got too used to stars. This is the thought process of the general managers and the people that make decisions. They've got too caught up in, and they got too used to seeing stars that they will not come for the Joe Smith that you brought up from the farm loop. Or you brought the person you brought up from the development. You stop scouting and you start star chasing. I've seen the University of Miami do this. Things were great. We had the best team in college football history in 2001, 2002. And then it became about chasing five stars. We need to keep five stars here. That's what the fan base is used to. You know what happens, friends? You know what happens, folks? You start bringing, you got to be aware of the bandwagoners. You, you achieve a certain level of success. You've always had your core group of fans there. And when you start having this level of success, the bandwagoners jump on. They aren't core friends. They aren't core fans. So they come on, they jump on, and then it seems like everything that you do from that point forward is to please the bandwagoners because the bandwagoners are the ones that yell the loudest, make the most noise, and they're the most critical people, and they aren't your core fans, and you find yourself trying to appease them, and ultimately they're the ones that destroy you from the inside out. You're trying to appease the, the bandwagoners. So they come to the stadium, and it's Bill Jones in right field, and it's not Reggie Jackson. So they come to the they come to the stadium, or they come to the arena. It's Tom Smith at center. It's not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's not Shaq. So we're done. We're not coming back anymore. We're not not going to the Laker game. There's a Laker game. We're going to go have a latte. We're going to go down to Starbucks. We're going to go do something else now. Those are your bandwagoners. You don't cater to them. Let them go. Let them leave. Let them go get all wrapped up in someone else. Get back on building your team. Do what makes basketball sense, baseball sense, football sense. Stay true to the mechanics of it. That's what I've seen the New England Patriots do. All these other franchises have failed to do that. They start worrying about numbers on a page, attendance figures. Merchandise sales. You cannot fully satisfy a bandwagon fan forever. You just can't. In your attempt to appease a bandwagon fan, you are going to eventually fall off in terms of production. I don't care who you put there. You're going to put the wrong parts together. If you go chasing fans, you go chasing star ratings, you go chasing celebrity players, guys that made a big name for themselves somewhere else. You ever notice how the, the guy who made a big name for himself Somewhere else, suddenly he's not that guy when he shows up to your franchise. There have been few mercenaries in sports. Few. Think of all the years you've been around and watched sports. There have been few mercenaries. Deion Sanders was a mercenary. He was at Atlanta, did his thing. Went to San Francisco, did his thing. Went to the Cowboys, did his thing. There were so many others that failed with that. Shaq was a bit of a mercenary in basketball. Did his thing in Orlando. Came to the Lakers. Did his thing. Came to the Miami Heat. Did his thing. Eventually, it, you know, it wears out. Now, Reggie Jackson was a bit of a mercenary. Did his thing with the Oakland A's. Came to the Yankees. Did his thing. 
did his thing with the uh, Anaheim Angels, although they never really they never made it to a World Series, but they were a better team when he showed up. But few guys show up to the next franchise after having made them name made a name for themselves elsewhere and show up and look the way that they are supposed to. That rarely works out. And we're about to head into NFL free agency, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. Teams are going to chase guys. They're going to pay big money for guys who seem great somewhere else, and they're going to show up to their franchise, and they're not going to be that. Happens all the time. Some of the most foolish times in all of sports is during free agency, especially in the National Football League. So for the Denver Broncos, who hadn't really established uh, a dynasty, they won a Super Bowl, they're not a dynasty, but they had a good amount of momentum off of winning that Super Bowl, and now they can't, they just don't feel the need to take a step back. They can't, they don't want to step back, so you don't put Paxton Lynch in there. I think you wasted some time last year. You went with the Trevor Simeon thing because you needed to keep things where they were. And Trevor Simeon um, appealed to that deadly phrase that I always hear, gives us the best chance to win. Well, yeah, right now, maybe, maybe right now, but eight and eight, would, that would, would, it, it was six and 10. Would that have been so bad if Paxton Lynch was the guy? Seven and nine, would that have been so bad if Paxton Lynch was the guy, got the experience that he needed? Then he suited up again next year, and maybe you were nine and seven, and then the next year ten and six, and then twelve and four, and then now you're in the Super Bowl, and now you've got a young guy there, quarterback that could be there for the foreseeable future. Would that have been so bad? So what ends up happening is you put a Trevor Simeon in there. He gave you the best chance to win. Yeah, of course, if you're comparing him to this other rookie guy, but all you got was eight and eight out of him. You didn't play Paxton Lynch much. So you're either faced with, you got to put Paxton Lynch out there now, or you can keep delaying the whole Paxton Lynch thing, waste this guy's talent, and keep doing the revolving door at quarterback. Kid yourself, because Tony Romo's not going to come in and lead you to a Super Bowl. I just don't think so. Just don't think Tony Romo's going to go out there and get it done for you against New England. I don't think Tony Romo can head out on the road and win a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers that are going to come after him hard and heavy. I just don't think that's going to happen for you. You know the best place for Tony Romo if he's going to play Dallas? But he's not going to play. And Tony Romo, I guess, just absolutely needs to play, and I understand that. But Denver, if you at all, and I'm not in your training camp, obviously, but, you know, you drafted the guy. You felt some, you felt some kind of way about him. And he can't be the worst quarterback in the world. Good sense is, go ride with Paxton Lynch. You were 8-8 eight eight last year. So the bandwagoners fell off. They all jumped on with Atlanta, and they all jumped on with New England again. If there's any more room on the New England bandwagon, they're gone. You lost your bandwagon fence. You got nothing to worry about now. You don't need to appease those bandwagoners. It's still the core Denver, Colorado people out there now. Go ahead and put Paxton Lynch in there. And if it's seven and nine this year, so be it. And you just measure that seven and nine season and say, is he going to? Is, does this seven and nine look like it could be a nine and seven next year? And is he the guy? You need to know. 
Don't bring Tony Romo in there and sit Paxton Lynch again. Okay, we're in a different era where people need things kind of fast. You need to know about, you can't this you know, that Aaron Rodgers sitting there behind Brett Favre thing, that was a, a one of a kind. And that's not even a situation that you have here. There's, you don't have Brett Favre on your roster, Denver. You don't have that. That's not what you have. You have a, a maybe, a bunch of maybes. Well, if you're going to ride with maybes, ride with your rookie. Throw your rookie in there. Ride the rookie maybe. Ride with that one. That's what you need to do. If we're going to do that whole deal. So, um, the one place that I think would make sense for Tony Romo, it happens to also be a place that I don't think he should go to. So, essentially, I think what I'm saying is um, stay in Dallas. Tony Romo, who knows, might get an opportunity. You know, people get hurt in this game. Yeah, Dak is young, probably can take a, a beating, but you never know. We'll just have to see how that unfolds. But those are the two biggest uh, stories right now in the NFL. What's going to happen with Tony Romo and, and you know, what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? That's how I look at it. And, uh, you know, I'm just tired of franchises putting a Band-Aid on things just to appease the bandwagon fans. The bandwagon fans are like the entourage for the rapper or the uh, pop star. They come on, they jump on. And uh, they're there for all of the fun stuff. When you're selling out concerts and arenas, they eat your food. They drink your champagne. They get your lap dances and whatever else you throw their way, riding your cars. But the moment uh, the record sales fall off, the moment you start getting a hand on your chest when you're trying to go through the velvet ropes, man, the, those, the, the entourage is gone. They're out of there. Same deal with the fans, the bandwagoners. Beware of trying to appease your bandwagon fans. All right, real quick, I went through and looked at each one of these conferences and their quarterbacks. And I'm going to give you grades on all these right now and just tell you which conference I think as a whole has the best quarterback situation conference-wise. So a conglomeration of the teams in the, con uh, in the uh, divisions, let me say, sorry, went through each division. And uh, who has the best quarterback situation when you factor in all four teams, quarterbacks. And I might have been kind in these grades. So I'm going to give you the grades that I've given. Starting off in the AFC. And of course with the AFC East, I gave them a, I gave this conference, I gave this division a B. I might have been kind. But Brady holds a lot of weight. He's the best in the biz right now. So when you take a New England Patriots, that's an A plus, 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 plus at the quarterback position. Um, Miami Dolphins, I'm going B minus with Ryan Tannehill. He looked better last year with a running game. 
Tyrod Taylor, I'm, I'm also around there with a B minus with Tyrod Taylor. So, you know, when you combine that A plus, when you combine the A plus plus of the New England Patriots and the uh, B minus of these two guys, you're somewhere around the B. And then the New York Jets situation is a D. So, really, I think we're probably B minus with the NFC East. I gave them initially a B, but when I really sit here and look at it, uh, we're going to go B minus with the NFC East. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady's really carrying this this division, the AFC East. Sliding down to the uh, AFC. No, actually, the AFC East, I gave a C. Look at me. I'm all messed up over here. I'm on the wrong column. I gave them a C. So I was right initially. Looking at the wrong column here. C. It's just amazing. And uh, this is something that we can talk about at a later date. Because I'm going to get back into that discussion of GOAT in terms of quarterback. I might have spoken a little too soon right after that Super Bowl. That's a discussion that I can't get into today. But I kind of a later date in a future show as far as greatest of all time at the quarterback position. It's a debate that will continue on even though some want to end it right now. In this AFC East, it's, it's Tom Brady, and then it's everyone else. And it's been that for quite some time. So uh, AFC North, I'm going B-minus on that. Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm going to give them an A with Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going to give the Baltimore Ravens B, somewhere to a B-plus there. Cincinnati Bengals, hey, listen, people are on uh, the red-headed gunner, Andy Dalton. They give him a B minus there. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. They weren't much of anything with him there. They did have a 6-9-1 season. He was injured as well. Cleveland Browns are a disaster. Their situation is a, is a D, maybe even an F. But, you know, it just kind of brings it down to a B minus. Three solid quarterbacks and then a total disaster in Cleveland. I've given him a B minus. AFC South, Houston Texans. You know how I feel about Osweiler. He's a C minus. Tennessee Titans. Um, they've got a B-plus there at quarterback with Marcus Mariota. Indianapolis Colts, they've got an A there with Andrew Luck, maybe an A-minus. A-minus with Andrew Luck. He can win more, you know that? I don't want to sound like an Andrew Luck hater. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're at a C there. I mean, there's a lot more wrong in Jacksonville than just a quarterback. So all that adds up to a B-minus for me. And then in the AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs, I like, you know, I like Smith more than, um, you know, other folks do. I think Alex Smith knows what he is. And I like quarterbacks that do that. They don't sabotage the team's success trying to be something that they're not. And I can appreciate that with him. Oakland Raiders, they're A- minus with Derek Carr. And they, they, they could easily be an A. It's a 12-4 and four football team this year. One of the biggest tragedies in this NFL season was Derek Carr getting hurt before the playoffs. That sucked. Now, just talk about the Denver Broncos situation. They're at a C right now. And then the San Diego Chargers, Phillip Rivers. Maybe he's overrated. I don't know. I'm going to give him a B. So that overall, AFC West is a B. I'm going to have the uh, NFC grades when I return right after this. Stay with me. It's the Gridiron Dutch Stud Show.
Nick Saban hustled back to Tuscaloosa from Atlanta and uh, was up at 6 a.m. dealing with recruits. I mean, that's just how these guys work, man. It's just how it is. And so you want to take down the New England Patriots? You want to take down the Alabama Crimson Tide? Guess what you got to do? You got to get on that schedule right there. Oh, that's too much? Okay. Get ready to get beat down. It's going to take your beating. Just going to outwork the hell out of you, man. And it's not going to be just his assistants or the help staff. He himself personally is going to be up making sure everyone is up and doing what it is that they're supposed to do. So do people like this wear out those around them? Do they just grind people down and uh, they bounce? Yes, they do. They wear out the people around them, you know. Folks just aren't going to be able to keep up. And so uh, the faces change. But when you agree to be a part of an organization like New England or Alabama, you're just uh, agreeing to, like, give up everything else in life and make this the focal point. So, um, you know, for both the comedic value and to learn something different each and every time I hear it, I like listening to the best of Nick Saban. So that's why you hear it a lot here on this show, in case you were wondering. All right, getting back to our uh, divisional grades for quarterbacks quarterbacking situations in the NFL. The whole discussion on Tony Romo and Jimmy Garoppolo um, brought me to this right here, this impromptu grade handing out, uh, me being a professor for the NFL right now, uh, handing out grades for all of these divisions according to the quarterback situation. So just to recap, in the AFC, I gave the AFC East a C for their quarterback situation, which is, again, a grade for the con- the, uh, the conference as a whole, when you bring all four quarterback situations into uh, consideration. So the AFC East is a C, the lowest grade that I've given out uh, thus far. AFC North, B minus. AFC South, B minus. AFC West, a B. So let's head over to the NFC. And the NFC East, one of the toughest conferences out there, which should delight my co-host, but uh, NFC East, I'm giving, I'm going to give the NFC East a B. Okay, Dallas Cowboys will go B plus with the rookie Dak Prescott. We're going to know a lot more this year in the second year after, you know, he's no longer a surprise and there's film out there and people can game plan. We'll have to see Eli Manning, love him or hate him. Guy gets it done, won a couple of Super Bowls, and as you've seen with all of the memes that have just been flying all around the internet and Twitter and all over social media for the past week plus now is he is the only, and I mean, it's the goofiest pictures of Eli Manning, I guess just to make a point, but he is the only quarterback to beat the great Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, did it twice. So love him or hate him. His team went 11-5 and five this season. So goofy Eli Manning, going to give him a B plus. Washington Redskins giving him a solid B with Kirk Cousins, like the guy. Don't know why there is talk of him possibly leading out of Washington. That would be stupid. I'll take him over any rookie that could be drafted right now. Ride with that guy. Surround him with as much talent as possible. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz, showed some good things, then looked like a rookie. Uh, you know, we'll go C plus with a Carson Wentz, C plus, B minus. Altogether, adds up to a B for the NFC East. NFC North, which many may have wanted to give the uh, title of the best conference uh, best division in terms of quarterbacks, just because the great Aaron Rodgers plays there. He's clearly an A plus plus plus. And Detroit Lions, I'm going to give him. A, I'm going to give. 
I'm going to give him an A minus with that situation. And Matthew Stafford has been statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the league year in and year out over the last five years. So, you know, the Lions haven't done a ton of winning. They were a 9-7 football team. They're better now for having had Matthew Stafford than without him. And then even without a Calvin Johnson, still managed to win some games this year. They kind of tripped over themselves to win the end. But, yeah, give him A-. Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to go... I'm going to go B minus C plus there. I'm going to go B, B minus C plus with Sam Bradford. I'm going to cut the guy a break. And then the Chicago Bears, uh, a D plus with Jay Cutler. I mean, he can do some things. Uh, I'm personally a Jay Cutler fan for this, for this just strange reason. He has shown you each and every year exactly who he is. Never deviated from that. He's never tried to do hide from that. He's never tried to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's never hid who he is, and yet teams continue to sign him. I gotta love that. Jay gonna do Jay, and they keep signing him. So anyway, uh, Jay drags it down uh, because he just, you know, he's Jay Cutler, and that brings him to a B. NFC South. So let's look at. Let's take a look at what we have in this NFC South. Let's take a close look at this thing. Because I don't know if I just told you quickly, give me the best division for quarterbacks. The, the uh, NFC South is what rolls off the tip of your tongue. I don't think that that's the first thing you shoot out of your mouth. But let's look at it. Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan. And now going into the season, you wouldn't have counted him as high as you may count him now. But the man had a magical season. This could be a breakout. He's an A at quarterback. He's an A. Why didn't be an A+. Plus? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, man, I'm going to call that an A as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers went 9-7 and seven this year. Jameis Winston looks like he's going to be that guy. They just need to start putting in. Uh, they need to just start putting in. Start getting some talent there. Start developing that talent. I think the pieces are slowly coming together for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It might be a team to watch out for this year. New Orleans Saints, hey, they're not what they used to be. They're not in Super Bowls. They're not even in the playoffs, but it's not Drew Brees' fault. Drew Brees is still, I'm going to call him an A-minus quarterback. And then the Carolina Panthers, hey, a tremendous fallback, which we've seen in the past after a team loses the Super Bowl. But still, Cam Newton still uh, one of the premier quarterbacks in this league. He's an A. So overall, you're getting an A. Just think about the names that just called out for you. Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Cam Newton. That's your best conference. I mean, that's your best division. I keep saying conference. That's your best division in terms of quarterbacks. Debate me on this if you want to. And finally, you got the NFC West. Russell Wilson is at A. Just has never had the talent there. Despite that, they're 10-5-1. At some point, I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to have to just figure it out. Let's start getting some weapons for Russell Wilson, if you don't mind, please. Carson Palmer, I'm going to call him a B-minus right now. We don't even know if he's going to come back, but he's obviously on the tail end of his career. The Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff, they were a disaster this year. I'm anxious to see Jared Goff. I wasn't high on him being picked that high, let's just be honest. But I'd be anxious to see the Rams minus uh, Jeff Fisher. I'd be anxious to see Jared Goff minus Jeff Fisher. Going to give them a C for the Rams. Um, and then the San Francisco 49ers, they're a D. They're all, you know, because that adds up to a B minus, maybe C plus. But right now, 
look, we just come down to the situation where the NFC South is your best. Debate me on that if you want to. And with the limited, uh, limited amount of time we've got left, you can give me a call, 347-633-9365, or you can uh, reach me on Twitter. Debate me on that. Best division in pro football in terms of the quarterback situation. And with that, I'm uh, happy to bring on my co-host. He joins me late today. Had some things to do. Had some business to take care of. But uh, he joins me now to close out the show with me. Amo, how you doing? Uh, what is that you are people enjoying on that that Twipper? Is that what that is? I don't know face. what that is. Oh, tweet face. Okay, good. Hey, Google. what were your grades on that? Well, give me your NFC East grade. I, I missed that part. I heard the tail end of that. Team by uh, team by team. Yes. Yeah. Go down. I heard I Cousins go, as a B. Yeah, I go B plus with the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. Okay. I really need to see what happens this year. I go B plus there. Um, New York Giants. Um, I'm a B plus there as well with uh, with uh, Eli Manning. Goofy Eli um, took the team to 11 and five this year, and he's got two rings. Okay, I might even go A minus there. Uh, he's at 89.9 percent, and I'm that dick professor that won't give him an A. Washington Redskins giving him a B for Kirk Cousins. Okay. Doing that. Um, and I don't know why there's even talk of him leaving. Leave the guy in there. Um, and you should like that. And the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Eagles Carson Wentz, C-plus there. Um, started off gangbusters, looked like a rookie. I think he has a future there. Um, you know, if pushed and uh, with a pistol to my head, I might even go B-minus with that guy. So overall there, I'm kind of um, – I'm a, I'm a B with the NFC. I'm okay with Agreed. Redskins Eagles. I'm okay with Redskins Eagles. Uh, I think Prescott. I, I go A minus. The guy played the whole season. Played played great in the playoff game. There's nothing to suggest his. You know, there's nothing to suggest it was a fluke. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't like he didn't play well on the big stage. Um, yeah, you'd like to see it again, no doubt about that. But I mean, he played the quarterback position like a real quarterback. There was no. You know, we, they weren't running read option or something that that that, that obviously sure. will get caught up on. So I give him an A minus, but you know, I'm not going to argue with you A minus B plus whatever. Uh, Eli to me at this point to B. I mean, Sandy mm-hmm. Colfax threw four no hitters, Chad, at one point. But if we rolled him out on opening day this year, he's no longer Sandy Colfax. I mean, the Giants won last year in spite of Eli Manning, not because of. Oh, him. come on! I'm going to give Eli credit for this. Um, and I love this about players in any sport. He knows what he is. And so, you know, I saw this from Eli Manning this year. Uh, I have Odell Beckham on my team. I'm going to get the ball to Odell Beckham. And that is one of the most underrated things about quarterbacks is just understanding who you are. And I was having this discussion with some, you know, Chad Pennington was successful. A guy with his physical tools and lack of arm strength should not have survived at all in this league, let alone kind of flourish in it understood what he was, had a chance to see him play in person, didn't make throws that he knows he couldn't make. Trent Dilfer went to the Baltimore Ravens, understood what he was. I didn't try to be Brett Favre. I tried to be Trent Dilfer and not do anything to hurt this team. And I see Eli Manning doing that time and again. So for that, I throw a plus on that beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see your point. It's just hard. I mean, you know, he's just not, to me at this point, a guy not that, sexy, that, that you can just ride. You know, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. The Giants need that defense to be really good for for them to continue because he's just not that guy anymore. So give me a grade for the Eagles. I'm cool with that. I, I'd probably give him a, a B minus. I mean, I think 
it's hard to judge Wentz and really and really hammer the guy on his his last ten games because I felt like he was playing w- without much there around him. I mean, on the Eagles' offense, other than Darren Sproles, who scared you? See, for that same reason that you're reluctant to judge him, I'm reluctant to judge Dak Prescott. He he has everything he needs there. Awesome awesome offensive line, awesome running back, um, great receiving core. When you include uh, Jason Witten, who can turn around and get six, seven yards better than anyone else right now. In the t- you know, so he's got a lot, and I just need to see a little bit more. So Yeah, but all that uh, stuff get- was in place. All that stuff was in place the year before, and they won four games. True, because you, you, had, a, you had a real – you had a bump. You had D pluses in there at quarterback. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just trying to say that, you know, you can't hammer a guy. If, if he went out there one game 17-14 with everything you just described, then I'd say, yeah, he's probably a game manager. But but he didn't. He went out there and he played he played quarterback better than any rookie ever played quarterback statistically in the history of the NFL. And I I, I, I just think that's hard to discount. Whatever the case may be, Emil, um, whatever's going on in the NFC East, however we want to grade it, is that at all in any way better than Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Cam Newton? No. No, I mean, I think I think you nailed that division. Um, you know, the way Ryan played this year, assuming he does it again, you know, but I, there's nothing to say he won't. Um, you know, I think he's he's excellent. Uh, Cam had a down year. Again, he's another guy that's playing, I think, a little bit handicapped with what they put around him, especially on the offensive line. I mean, there's a guy that's a great athlete, and he still gets sacked a lot. That tells you, you know, the type of situation that, that they put him in up front. Um, Drew Brees, to me, I might even give him an A still. There's not, you know, I thought he was done two years ago. I mean, I think you might have remembered we were talking about a show, on a show, and yeah. I said, I think teams figured out that, you know, you have to make him throw the ball outside the hashes because he can't make the throws. Well, he adjusted his game. Whatever he did, he's making throws again, and he's doing what Drew Brees does, and there's nothing that's, you know, he still scares me. I'd give him an A. I might give the whole division an A. I mean, you might be a little generous on Winston. I think I might give him an A minus, but but I can't hammer you for giving him an A because I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. Yeah, um, when you take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to nine and seven, and, and you know, even being in the playoff discussion with four weeks left in the season, man, you get a mighty, uh, you get a you get a big blue ribbon from me. So uh, yeah, with that, yeah. our, let's turn our discussion to something that when you and I don't often talk about on the show. I do it more when I'm just on by myself solo, but that's college football recruiting. And uh, I, I want to get into this discussion. It seems like the college football NTA is going to approve early official visits. Um, something that I have, uh, I have talked quite a bit about as being of all the measures they're talking about implementing uh, in the area of recruiting for the NTA. This is the one that I've wanted to see the most, in which you allow the official visits between the month of April and June. Because currently, Amol, here's what you have. Here's the situation that you have. Only your elite players, okay, your four-stars and your five-star guys, are really able to comfortably go take all five of their official visits, which, as it stands now, can begin in September of a player's senior year. Only those guys are able to comfortably take those trips and which could, you know, usually typically extend into January and feel like they will still have a spot at a school that is recruiting them. Most of right. your other guys, your three stars, two stars, your no stars, 
don't feel comfortable waiting until January's uh, a January official visit to a school that's recruiting them to, to go take it without committing. Oftentimes they'll commit without going to the school or before the official visit because if they fail to do that, they will that offer as the team moves on to someone else. And uh, I'm happy to see it. Now this does bring up a situation. If you're Ohio State, Emil, or you're any one of those teams in the Big Ten, and yet you're recruiting a guy, well, is it just as simple as, you know what, let's get this guy up here in uh, April or May or June uh, so you can see really great weather up here this time of year. We can get them all around campus and there's no problems. Do we do that or do we hold that trip for a, a game, Ohio State versus Michigan, where he can get that atmosphere? How do you make that decision now on a recruit? Because you get one official visit. Oh well, I mean, I, I've you know I like the philosophy of waiting. I mean, you see, as you know, and I, everybody's got their own way of doing it. Some people like to fill, try to fill their class up real early. But I, I've kind of like the way my school, my team's done it. The one I cheer, they they wait till the end. I mean, if you if you look at their recruiting classes, most of the time they have twelve, thirteen guys, and when the season starts, and then yeah, I mean they'll, 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 they'll no yeah they go right down to the end. Yeah, there's no difference if I bring a guy in in June to Southern California or if I bring him in in December. There's no difference. Um, uh, the Big Ten has something else to consider. I mean, you live you. You, you live in a, a part of the country where the season turns. Um, there's snow and then there's not snow. So for those teams... Yeah, but I don't want to trick you, Chad. I want to bring you in for the game. I want to bring you in for the atmosphere. I want to let you know what you're signing up for. Because what good is if I bring you into June to Columbus, Ohio? It's sunny. It's it's 88 degrees. You're like, hey, this isn't bad. I'm from South Florida. Uh, you know, it's warm, high humidity. I'm used to that. And then... Uh, and then you come <laughs> you come back, and it's like the middle of November, and it's 24 degrees, and there's snow flurries. Well, I don't want to trick you to get you there. Yeah, you, you wouldn't come back in November. Right. Well, I'm saying no. I'm saying I don't want to get you on campus. I don't want to have you sign up for the for the deal. Right. Then you get there the following year. You're really in school, and you're looking around going what the hell's going on here? I mean, I don't want you transferring or getting homesick. I want you to know what it is you're signing up for. Plus, I want you to have the game day experience. I want you to see what the program's about on, on game day. Well, a couple of things here. Um, I can guarantee you there's some coaches that have this mindset of, hey, listen, once I've got you here, I've got you here. So if it gets here and it's kind of cold, man, you can talk all that transit if you want to, but you're going to be sitting out a year somewhere. So you got that to think about. Besides, there are also a lot of other factors that make guys want to consider transferring. Hey, the guy that was recruiting me or my position coach seemed like the greatest guy. He was Tony Dungy when he was recruiting me. And then suddenly when I show up, he turned into uh, Buddy Ryan. Uh, who is this guy? Right. I don't even know. Who is, so right. that makes you want to transfer. You get homesick, you want to transfer to that. That's number one. Number two also is... Um, and this is, I know this to be true for a lot of guys down here in South Florida and really across the country. A lot of guys will commit before their senior season. They kind of just don't want to be going through the season dealing with the whole recruiting thing. They really want to focus on their senior year, their senior football season. And so they recruit ahead of time. And a lot of times for the, those guys, it, they recruited, they commit to schools that they were able to take trips to during the summer. 
And so if you're a Florida guy, the likelihood is that you hit the schools in the South. You went and saw Florida, Florida State, Miami, Georgia, um, you know, Alabama, the, the, the schools in the SEC corridor. You weren't able to make it out to Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, you weren't able right. to make it to Nebraska, Iowa. So they have to consider their competition there. Hey, Alabama's getting a visit in June, unofficial. How can I, as Nebraska, compete with that? Because kids from Florida aren't going to take a trip out here unofficially. Well, I mean, a couple things. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to tap the brakes. I told you this on previous shows on, on any commitment before the beginning of the senior year. I mean, you can go take a trip. I don't care about that, but... I, I think it's it's a bunch of nonsense. Like I, I every day my phone I have that bleacher report set up for alerts, and you know mm-hmm. something pops up about college football such and such uh, committed to this school. And you know as someone who knows better, and we talked about how many decommits there were this year. I think 700 of them. I shrug my shoulders mm-hmm. and go, so what? You know a 17 year old kid in April or February, let's say now tells you he's coming. Mm-hmm. He's coming to your school, and he hasn't even started his senior year. He hasn't even finished his junior year yet. What does that mean? Right. It means nothing. Right. Nothing. Yeah. No, so why I do mean, it? I understand. Both of my boys committed before their senior season. Now, granted, they've taken a whole bunch of trips, you know. Um, yeah. I set myself back financially to make that happen, but a lot of kids just don't even have the means. Yeah, you made a lot of trips, and I remember that, and that was good, and you, you know. But but a lot of kids can't do that, to your point, and uh, they feel this pressure, I think, because, you know, these schools are, are filling up classes real early, and I think that puts an additional pressure on the kids, as you said, that aren't necessarily the four and the five stars to, to just, sure. you know, try to get a place in the class where maybe if we just say, hey, wait a second, nobody can really make mm-hmm. this official anyway until they actually sign a letter of intent in February of their senior year. So how about we say – you know, on September 1st, you could you could start committing of your senior year. I mean, you could have all your due diligence done. You could you could have made your trips and all that stuff. But let's let's stop the nonsense with the you know a year early you're committing this to a place. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just um, I don't I don't I don't get it. Yeah, that's a mess. Yeah, that part there is definitely a mess. I, I'm seeing that happening a lot. And you know, um, I I I want to do the stats on this. Um, and maybe I'll ask one of the recruiting guys to do this, but um, when you commit a year, over a year out uh, from the signing date, what are the, what's, what are the stats on you actually ending up at that school you committed to that far away? And then how, how likely is that individual to then have a decommitment or two in their process? Well, let, let me wait. let me tell you why. And you 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 and I have talked about this in previous shows, and you, you you I think you agree with me on this point. Maybe you don't now. I don't know. Here's why I like waiting till till the end as well. Okay, and and believe me, I understand. Not every school can employ this strategy. Florida can, Alabama can, USC got, Ohio State. I get that. Okay, but for those blue blue chip type schools, if I come in at the end, you know, if I stay in contact and and you know, I, you know, I I try to get the kid, but then I bring him in at the end. If he commits early to another school, that gives people a year, and you know this goes on on the recruiting tail trail to mm-hmm. take shots at that school. Tell tell Absolutely. the kid, well, you know, you know, uh, this isn't going to happen when you're there. Or you're a corner, but look at you, they're going to move you to safety. They don't like big big corners or whatever. Okay, if I mm-hmm. come in at the end. 
nobody had a chance to really take shots at me. I come in, right. in beginning of beginning of January, mid January, I get the kid to my school for his last visit and I say, Okay, you know, now you saw everything, here's what I have to offer. And I right. think I, if I, you do that I, you know talked about it. I call it the uh the eBay effect. You know, when I first I used to use eBay. I used to buy stuff off of eBay. When I first got on, being a novice, I would see an item, and you know the uh, the the expiration on the auction would be could be 24 hours out, two days out, and I foolishly, you know, the moment I saw the item, I put a bid in, and all it did right. was set a mark for someone else to beat, and then I'd find myself scrambling at the end to try and get some kind of a bid in. Um, and it was just, you know, I couldn't really get it done. And then I, I lost several auctions. And then I learned right. the game. And I would just sit there and wait and see what everyone else was talking about, who's, you know, who's bidding what. And then, um, you know, through various techniques, get my bid in there within the last 10 seconds. And then I started winning items. And really, college football recruiting is very much like winning an item on eBay these days. And so I get no, that's a great saying. That's a great analogy. I mean, I think that's very what you're saying there. Is, is a great analogy, and I think that it takes a discipline, and, and, you know, maybe some coaches, you know, don't have that, or they just feel like they don't care if they lose a kid or two, they want to get in there early, but I have no problem as a fan um, if a school waits, especially if they're a school that can wait, because I think you get a lot of really good players at the end that, that you know, they just didn't get to, they didn't get out enough in the process, and if you get them at that last visit, it opens their eyes. It's kind of like, hey, wait a second here. You know, there's something else out there other than such and such. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, it, I'm glad that they have done that because I think it's going to help some of the, uh, and I, you know, if this is the term I want to use, some of the, the, the lesser, smaller time recruits, I think it's going to help them if they can um, have visits paid for in April and June. Um, I'm just wondering what the flip side of that's going to be. Well, let me ask you about this. Let me ask you your, your thoughts on this. And this is a policy I never cared for, and maybe you feel differently. I don't care for this policy where coaches say, if you commit to me, I don't want you taking any more visits. See, I've always been like, listen, they're 17-year-old kids. If you're asking a kid to commit early, you should feel confident enough in what you're offering the kid and what and the, the job you did recruiting him that in a way let him take other visits because it only makes if if you did a good job it's only going to make his commitment to you stronger because he's going to see yeah I'm going to the right place I really want to be there. Let me ask you this, Amy. Um, I'm going to assume you did this semi traditionally. Uh, you've got a lovely wife and Denise. Um, yeah. You guys had spent some time together, and uh, you felt like she is a woman for you. And you got right. down on your knee, wherever, at the mall, at a Chick-fil-A, wherever you did it, and uh, asked her to marry. And um, she says yes. But then she tells you, um, I'm so elated, but I just, I just want to go out on a few more dates just to make sure you're the guy for me. You're going to be down <laughs> with that. Don't think so. No, but <laughs> um, I just don't think you're going to be okay with that. I'm going to sit around the house and hope that uh, you know she doesn't go out with some guy, um, has a drink, go to the restroom, and he puts something in her drink, and then suddenly she wakes up in a sack with someone else. And that's almost <laughs> what it's like, you know. Um, I can tell this kid he 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 commits to me, 
well, I'm going to let them take a trip to this school and that school. And you know how some of these guys work, and you just don't want them to show up on one of these other campuses. And they literally well, okay, but, but, but wait a second now. What's my assurance, okay? Because we know how honest these coaches are, right? We know they never leave yeah. the school. When the, you know, we, we know how honest they are. That I'm the four-star defensive tackle, and he doesn't want me taking any other trips. So, I, man, I don't take any, and I'm committed. And then all of a sudden, his class starts filling up. And what do you know? The five-star, the best player in the country, decommits from Alabama, and he, he's got him now. So he calls me up, and he says, hey, I'd like you to blue shirt, or I'd like you to gray shirt. What, 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 where's my guarantee? You know, there are no there are no guarantees, of course, because there's nothing put on paper. However, if you're going to run that whole system, you have got to be 100% honest with those guys if you're asking a 100% honesty for them. And without naming the particular program that I have on my mind right now, that's exactly how they run their deal. And they've been, they've been very successful in college football in recent history. They say to this recruit, if you're committing to us, then you're committing to us, and there are no more trips. And if you're committing to us, we're committing to you. If you're looking, now we're looking. You don't have to. If you're committed to us and you follow this whole process that we're talking about here, you don't have to worry about us bringing in. We're sold on you being the guy for us. So, yeah, Mr. Five-Star Guy might fall off. We're committed to you. And the scenario you're talking about um, is a tough one and kind of, I don't want to say rare, but um, not one that's going to happen, a, 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 you know, as often as you think, you know what I mean? So um, I think it just is a whole bunch of trust on both sides. But I, I subscribe to that whole theory of you're committing to us, then you're committing to us and you're not taking trips. And, if and, that, and that's ain't, just, it goes, that goes back to my circular discussion of why I'm saying I would rather just see that whole process of when you can just, even verbally commit, push back to the first day of their senior year, they can do their due diligence, then you don't have as many of these questions because there is no sure. per, there is no commitment per se. They can take a lot of trips in the summer, do what they want to do, go see a bunch of schools, and then on September 1st, if they want to verbally commit, they can feel more comfortable if a coach has that policy because they took a bunch of trips. They don't have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah, I saw a bunch of places. I don't think you can do any legislation about the verbal commitment. It's not anything in writing. So these kids now with Twitter, can uh, they verbally commit Amel without offers. <laughs> they do that. So one last a kid verbally committed to a school, he didn't even yet have an offer. So these kids can get on Twitter or social media, Snapchat, whatever you want, Instaface, Google Chat. Uh, they, could, they could get on any of these things and verbally commit to whoever they well, want to. Well, a, a, a lot of it, you, listen, a lot of it is like I say, okay, a lot of this whole process in college recruiting is the honor system. We've talked about it. There's 120-some Division One schools. I guarantee you if you and I were sent there and, and undercover for a month, we'd find violations at virtually every one of them. It's just what degree of violations. Absolutely. Okay? So a lot of it's the honor system. It's almost like this, I try to tell people. I drive down the highway here at 65 miles an hour. I like to drive fast. I usually drive 80. But here's the thing. If that sign doesn't say 65, I might drive mm -hmm. 100. So my point right. is, it's, it's, the effect is it slowed me down even if I don't realize it because I know at 80 and I'm going to 80 and a 65 zone, I'm going to get a ticket. 
If I'm going 165 zone, the officer is going to cut my license up. Right. Okay. Right. So. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, uh, I just wonder if you've ever pulled into, um, like, you know, Pennsylvania Highway Patrol and say, hey, listen, guys, uh, I'm feeling bad about this. I was doing 83 on one of your roads today. I just wanted to self-report. <laughs> and uh, I'll take my question. Here's my address. Can you mail the ticket? I'll see you guys. I've got to head off to work. No, it was, no, with me, it was more like the dice, man. You know, Mr. Calumet, you're going 75 in a 65 zone. Yeah, well, it would have been going 90 if you didn't pull me over. <laughs> yeah, I want to get pulled over one day, and you'll tell me, uh, Mr. Wilson, you're going 85 in a 65 zone. Yeah, I want to talk to you guys about that. You think you guys could bump the numbers up on that sign there a little bit? I got places to go. I'm <laughs> I got things to do here. I listen. I hear you. I don't know if you know, but to our original point, I, I don't know if you how much you can police it, but I think just the policy being in place and no one wanting to be the first example would slow mm-hmm. both sides down. At least the coaches would say, "Hey, listen, you know, I'm not going to risk you know getting my program slammed here." giving verbal commits before September 1st, because I don't need to. I'm Ohio State. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. And there seems to be um, a lot of of proposals on the books um, this year for some type of recruiting reform. We're going to find out, are they Band-Aids on something that requires stitches? I think recruiting is really broken. Um, Is it just something where they want to get so they care and they're trying to do something, or are these measures really going to alter some of the things that we see going on in recruiting? We'll just have to, you know, we'll just have to stand by and see if that is indeed the case. I enjoyed the recruiting discussion, though. So with this being the off season, we're going to have to get into these a little bit more. I'm going to have to drag you into the recruiting thing a little bit. Oh, I love. Listen, I love it. I find it a fascinating subject, and I think it's, you know, I'm with you. I think it's broken. I, I don't know the fixes. I'm not sure anybody knows them, but I think they need to start working through them. Uh, the sport does because I just don't think it's healthy what's going on right now for a game that we all love. I don't think it's good for the kids and I don't think it's good for the sport. Yeah, no, not not at, not at all, man. Hey, I appreciate you calling in and um, you know trying to clock in to work late here. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you know what we say? Better late than never, right? Yeah, better late than never. That certainly applies to today's show, but I appreciate you coming on for the final part. We had an interesting recruiting discussion there. That should really well please a lot of our audience so uh that's it for today's show we appreciate you listening i'm back on on wednesday amel's gonna rejoin me on friday think friday shows are gonna get kind of sketchy for us here in the the coming weeks but um i guess we'll have to you'll have to stay tuned on that one i'm definitely back on on wednesday but for all of you that listen today we appreciate you coming on and listening to the gridiron stud show making it a featured show here on blog talk radio but amel calamine i'm chad wilson thanks for listening to the gridiron stud show see you guys wednesday Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then complete speed is what you need. Complete speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, complete speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, 
make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. 